we can't be behind the curve when these companies want to move, right? You can't, you can't create a perfect business environment on the fly. So you have to set the, the strategic stage, if you will, right? Set the stage so then we are positioned to bring these companies in. Welcome to Creating Community with Dorian and Jake, a podcast designed to bring area leaders, business owners, and other interesting people together to better our community. I'm your co-host, Jake Starkey. And I'm your other co-host, Dorian Strickland. We're the owners of 1820 Marketing and 1820 House in the heart of Alvin, Texas. Our goal with this podcast is to showcase the amazing people, businesses, and organizations we have in and around Brazoria County. So if you know someone who should be highlighted, please email us at info at 1820marketing.com to let us know. Today, we are at the Pearland Commerce Center in Pearland, Texas. Zomad Boutique and the Alvin Manville Area Chamber of Commerce are sponsors of this podcast. You can learn more about both of them later on in the show. Creating Community with Dorian and Jake is produced by 1820 Marketing, and you can catch previous episodes at 1820marketing.com slash podcast or on your favorite podcast app. In this episode, we're chatting with Christian Bionet with the Greater Houston Partnership, as well as some other things we'll get into. But thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks yeah, for thanks having for me. Thanks for being here. Yeah. So I met you first a few years ago That's right. at, uh, when you were working for Congressman Olson. That's right. But we'll, let's get further back. Sure. Well, how did you get involved in the, I'm going to say politics, but it's Congress and, and sure. Yeah. What, how to explain you, that background? Yeah. yeah how'd sure. you get there? <clears throat> um, so I worked for Congressman, you know, then Congressman Olson, um, for eight years, almost eight years. Um, but, Really, Congressman Olson and I, we went to the same high school, obviously some years apart. <laughs> uh, uh, that was my tagline, I was 27 years apart, but we went to the same high school. So him running for office was something that our high school knew about. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Right? And, so, and so my senior year, I was interested in his campaign. I kind of followed it. Um, going into college, I, I started interning for him. Um, okay. uh, interned for him for three summers three summers and then, wow. um, leaving, uh, leaving college, graduating college, I, uh, I ended up getting a, a job with him. Um, so I started on his team in 2013, Gotcha. right. Uh, or 2012, 2013, and then, um, worked my way up through the office. Yeah. But you're also a reservist in the army. That's right. I'm an, I'm an so army. So when did reserve. you join the army? Right after college as well. Right after so college. I was balancing the two, two lives, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm always interested in military stuff. So when, what was the reason for your decision to go into the military after college? Because I look and it says that you got a bachelor's degree in political science. Mm -hmm. One of the few people using that degree for what it's intended. <laughs> you really are. You really are. One, one, one percent that uses right. it. Yeah. But you decided to go to the army. So what was the, what was the thought process? Sure. There? So I, I um, for my undergrad, I went to Sam Houston state university fantastic ROTC program. So okay. I, I joined them there gotcha. and that's, that's kind of how I was introduced to the army um, in that sense. And, and after graduating, I perceived a commission as a Lieutenant fantastic. Um, in the army reserves. Cause I still wanted to do politics. Right. I, I still wanted that life. And so um, I became an intelligence officer um, through the army. Okay. Yeah. And real quick, cause I don't know, I'll say, I don't know enough about the military. What, what does an intelligence officer do? They do a number of things. <laughs> um, he can tell you, but then he'd have to yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's what he's thinking. I can see the yeah, look on his face. Like, he's yeah, like, yeah. why are you asking so, me this? So I could probably tell you what I have done. Okay. Because <laughs> we could do a lot of different things. Sure. But really, I mean, you're, you're, you're gathering information, 
synthesizing that, right? And you're providing it to a decision maker in uh, with context, right? You provide the insight, the context. Gotcha. And that's just that that what I just said there is very translatable to many industries. I mean, you're yeah. synthesizing information and providing it to whoever needs to make decisions. Gotcha. So you're, and I say this as a positive, you're kind of a funnel, right? You get a yep. huge mass of information, you boil it down so someone can read a short two page paper. That's right. Okay. And I, honestly, I did that as a congressional staffer as well. Oh, I, Same yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then you went on to get your master's degree from Penn State. That's right. So right. was this an online course? It or is. Was this yeah, okay. yeah. Primarily online. Um, it was a master's in public administration. So going through Congress Olson's office, I eventually became more of a man- managerial position and having that master's really helped sure. um, understand like how, how to work with people, budgeting, finance, um, elements like that. Yeah. Okay. And so when I met you a couple years ago, were you district director at the time? I'm trying to think of what your so job It depends on what year. It yeah. Was. yeah. Yeah. So uh, it probably was, a, I was a district director for, so, for, for Pete. All right. What does a district director do? Yeah, so to boil that down into like a yeah. couple words, I fix problems. Yeah, that oh, does, yeah. he's a problem fixer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, so, that's that's true, but I also think that you did a good job in my experience with you of, yes, you were there to fix problems, but you were also there to connect people and kind of make so, sure that problems didn't arise. Right, that right, certainly. Like, so so a lot of the, the outward facing part of the job is to be that connector, that facilitator between the congressional office and people in the community or people right. in the community that want to reach out to another entity, not necessarily federal, but maybe um, someone in Fort Bend or Sugarland wants to talk to the Paraland Chamber. Well, yep. I, I knew people there, right? right? And so it was an easy connection. So that was more the outward facing side. Inward, um, a lot of the uh, managerial duties, um, understanding the calendar, staffing, making sure Pete's in the right place and, and yeah. getting getting him there, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just being the, the body man for a congressman is probably not the easiest thing, having to make sure that they're where they're needing to be. I had a lot of fun. It was a good experience. Yeah. Well, in, in order for congressmen or representatives to be able to do as much as they do, they have to have a good team around them. That's right. Right. Yeah. And, and understanding time. I mean, like I say that now, it kind of um, like, it I don't, I don't want to say it's sounding in, in jest, but time is their only really sense of currency. Okay. Right? Sure. You need their time. You need your time. Right. And to give people time, that's what we, that gives them an opportunity to speak to them, but there's not enough time in the day, right? That's the thing right. that we give, right? Yeah. Um, and so um, making sure you understand the calendar and and getting him and the people connected, right? right in the most efficient way possible. For sure. sure. And yeah. we, we talked before we started here about the gatekeepers, right? So how does a gatekeeper decide who gets a piece of that time? So, yeah, so, yeah. So um, yeah, one, you have to understand priorities, right? What are um, the the congressman uh, priorities, what is the legislative priorities of, you know, the uh, Republicans, right? And, and so you want to um, make sure he takes meetings that follow that kind of sense, right? If, if So Pete Olson was on energy and commerce his last few years. And so right. a lot of things he was focused on was developing energy, energy transition, energy, uh, renewable energy here. So not just oil and gas, but carbon capture sure. and, and things like that. And so we want to make sure those meetings kind of follow that. Obviously, we also didn't want to uh, not take meetings with constituents that, that cared about, you know, Veterans Administration and they have sure. VA benefits issues or post office issues, right, right, you know, right here in Paraguay. Right. Um, you know, when there's a flood issue in Alvin, we went with uh, Mayor Paul Horn, yep. right, and talked to him. So you got to combine the things that actually happen in the district with also things that he's trying to project and, and help for the greater Houston region. Yeah. Gotcha. Right, yeah. Well, even the nation, right? Because, I mean, he's one of 
I'm going to mess up the number. 432. Four, 435. 435. Yeah, that's good. It was 430. Uh, and there's a balance. And that's the thing I always think of is that there are times that to benefit your district or a Congressman Olson's district, whatever the, what he's representing might not be a benefit to Wisconsin or, you know, and then vice right. versa. Right. How does, from your perspective, right? You weren't the congressman. You worked for him uh, and ran Congressman Weber. How does the congressman balance the, this is important to my district to this is important for the nation. Right. And that's, that's one of the challenges they face all the time. And so um, luckily for the greater Houston region, you know, the energy capital of the world, our region impacts all the states, Lots of people. Yeah, yeah, sure. all the states, no matter what, yeah. talk about plastics, oil and gas, well, a lot of it coming from oil and gas. Sure, yeah. Now elements of tech too, like, you know, mm -hmm. Austin's having a lot of tech and that's going to impact a lot of people. Yeah. Right. And so we can easily sell that to another state. So that's one element of it. The second element is what relationships do they have in the capital already? Right. Um, are they in the same committees, maybe transportation committee, right? And sure. um, one congressman is interested in a state or excuse me, a federal highway in Wisconsin. Well, we have a federal highway here and we could maybe negotiate and talk about, hey, we can both fund these things, these yeah. for projects, right? Yeah. So it's, it's like that. Yeah, that's nice. One well, thing, and so uh, you worked for Congressman Olson, then you transitioned to Congressman Weber, who for anyone who doesn't know, is right next to their district's share borders. Right. They, they, they are adjacent, right. Um, what was the, what was that like? Yeah, so. Um, and was it the same role? Yeah, how does that, that transition right, right. happen? So yeah. I'll, I'll give you a little timeline first too. So Congressman Olson announced his retirement mm -hmm. um, the uh, summer of 2019. Yep. Um, shortly thereafter, I was activated um, with the Army, right? So, yeah. so I spent some time active duty. Um, over at uh, U.S. Special Operations Command in Tampa, Florida, and then um, a little bit of time overseas. So in that two years, actually, when I was, you know, uh, activated, I was looking for a job, too, to come, come back to because right. I had to come back. And yeah. Congressman Olson was no longer in office, right? Um, he was uh, succeeded by Congressman uh, Troy Nels. Mm -hmm. And so I was looking for another job. And um, this is all during COVID, too. Yep. <clears throat> very, very challenging. And so when uh, Congressman Weber had a new position or a position vacancy, I've applied for it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I received it. And then um, I was like, extended a few times overseas. Of course. And then, yeah. but uh, fortunately, unfortunately, COVID allowed that to happen or uh, allowed uh, the Congressman to wait for me a little bit. Sure. Because yeah. everything was virtual and it was a little, yeah. it was a different environment everybody knows right right so i came back um and started working for uh congressman weber um in august of 2021 gotcha yeah, yeah. and so i was hit with him for for a little bit few months and then um i moved over to the greater houston partnership yeah and real quick how long has weber been a congressman it's been i think he's 10, uh, 12 years 10 years now i think okay. yeah yeah and so what is the Greater Houston Partnership? So the Greater Houston Partnership, uh, I'll go back a little bit and provide some history or historical context. So, And, and um, this is, you're no longer with Weber. I'm no longer right. with Weber, right. and, and, and I was his district director. And so now, now I'm with the Greater Houston Partnership, which is a, um, let's say, conglomerate of three main entities, right? Okay. So it's uh, formerly the Houston Chamber, the um, Houston Economic Development Corporation, 
in the World Trade Center, Houston. You put them okay. all together. I think that happened in 1989. And they okay. created the Greater Houston Partnership. Okay. Wow. All right. And so they, they serve as a 12-county region, right, Greater Houston, yeah. to really amplify and develop a business climate and recruit businesses to the Greater Houston area to, to make Houston better. Right? Yeah. Well, you're saying 12 counties. So generally speaking, when people think of greater Houston, it's four or five counties. So 12 counties 12 is county. a very large area, particularly as densely populated as it is. Oh, certainly. I mean, um, you know, fourth largest city is Houston, right? right? And you, we service four, you know, excuse me, the uh, 12 county region too. So working with chambers, uh, of chambers of commerce from Austin County, Brazoria County, San Jacinto County, right. Wall and Walker, right? Yeah reaching out to these organizations saying, what do you need in your, in the business climate in order to recruit a business like uh, Daikin or Apple or yeah. uh, Dell to your community? Yeah. And that's what, that's going to benefit Houston, greater Houston. I'm not just saying city of Houston, right? right. Sure. The greater Houston, Houston area. Houston area. Sure. But I can see the difference in their desires or needs as they view it can be drastically different from Austin County to Liberty County to Fort Bend. Right. And right. So you can imagine there's, a lot of stakeholders yes. in this and, and getting yes. everyone's buy-in can be kind of challenging, especially right. when you try to develop a, you know, a priority agenda for, for that, right? Sure. Either member development or, you know, companies joining um, your local chamber or greater Houston partnership um, while also making sure the right stakeholders are okay with that business coming into the community. Oh yeah. I can just imagine, you know, you hear a lot about, you know, we, we don't want to change. We want to stay the way we are. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, if, if an Apple or a Google or a Dell comes to town, you know, and it, well, however, everyone seems to be okay with Tesla Te- coming I down. Just to Angleton, which is fantastic. I'm, I'm all for it, but it's funny to me to hear that balance of, we want lower taxes. We want better businesses in town, but don't, but change I don't want anything. taxes, <laughs> but it, right. yeah, don't change anything. And maybe you can unpack it a little bit. Cause the way I always kind of explain it to people is, those businesses can provide lower taxes for right. you because they're here. They're here and they're generating, generating revenue. the revenue. They're yeah. paying their taxes, hopefully. And then that can be lower taxes for residents and uh, homeowners that, and everything else. That's exactly right. And and that's one element of the challenge is the community interest, right? Does the community have the um, political with, you know, a stomach to have a company here like your Tesla. That's um, yeah. there, there's a Tesla facility in Angleton, I think. Yeah. Right. I can't remember. If it's a battery or a the, battery. Right. Right. But it's Tesla. Yeah. Right. And, and are they okay with that? Yeah. 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 So um, that's one of the elements. The second element is um, do we have the right jobs or the right, excuse me, the right, right workforce mm-hmm. to, to provide that. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of, um, elements to this equation for a eventual yes checkbox, right? Yes, will come. Yeah. Right. So creating that environment is a lot of part of my job is to make sure we have those and, and people on this, you know, there's enough uh, uh, seats at the table and everyone gets their voice heard. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to do more equations with Christian. <laughs> more equations. <laughs> This is Zoe. This is Samantha. And we are the owners of Zomad Boutique, a contemporary women's clothing, shoes, and accessories boutique located at 102 North Gordon Street in the heart of downtown Alvin. You can visit us online at zomad.com. Hi, this is Carrie Perrin, president and CEO of the Alvin Manville Area Chamber of Commerce. Here at the chamber, we want to support local businesses. 
We want to give you visibility in the community. We want to give you opportunity in the community. And for those of you that aren't business owners, we want to let you know about all our wonderful chamber members. And if you support them, you support our community. So remember, whether you're a business or a community member, when you eat, shop, play, and support local business, you support the community. We're back with Christian. And before the break, you were kind of talking about stakeholders and and getting community involvement. And kind of like Dorian mentioned, it seems to me that there's a lot of benefit to the city of Houston that's not necessarily going to be a benefit to Alvin, right? Just because of size. Um, And then, but to me, there's a lot of unincorporated, undeveloped land in Alvin or Angleton or any number of places in the 12 counties you probably cover that can have a distinct impact on that community for the betterment or kind of how you look at it. So are you just like showing up at Apple headquarters going, Hey, Tim cook, can you uh, come to Texas? We, or, we, you know? we do have a team that actually does that. How can I get on that team? Yeah. I want the new iPhone. <laughs> it's our, it's our, our, our regional economic <laughs> development team. But they, then you have an iPhone. So yeah, yeah they, uh, the regional economic development team looks for companies that are interested in moving and, or they go and tell them, Hey, you need to move to Houston. This is what we have to offer. And there are a lot of things Houston does have to offer greater yeah. Houston. Right. Yeah. 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 And I, that's a fascinating thing to me too, is that even, I mean, so I watched an episode of Anthony Bourdain's no reservations where he went, he came to Houston and he was amazed at how much just food wise, right. That's the focus of the show, but right. the different types of food, the different, different types of things. It, I don't understand how Houston, in my opinion, is uh, skipped over in a lot of these conversations about what a thriving culture and business climate. I don't understand if we're in the area, we know it, but right. if you're outside, it's like, Oh, Houston has business. Like, yeah, Houston has it business. people. And I've even heard that Texas has more, uh, Houston has more restaurants per capita than any other city in the United States. I can, I, I sure. Yes, I can. <laughs> can <laughs> I mean, it seems if, like it. if you want Russian food, if you want Ukrainian food, yeah. if you want, I don't know if I want Russian food right now. I, I understand. No, no, no. Seeing that we went political, I didn't mean to yeah. do that. <laughs> but if you want any of those foods, you can get it in, yeah. Houston. And along with that is the businesses. Like you said, it's energy capital of the world. Right. Right. And how do you tell that story to people to, to come to this area? Again, right. when we say Houston, we're talking oh, greater Houston. Greater Houston. Right. A lot of that is, is that marketing element to it. Like what do we have? How does that look like? How do we communicate that? Yeah. Right. And so I, now that we have this consortium, this partnership, we can, we have those stakeholders that can provide, Hey, we have these stats, we have these companies, we have these um, organizations, we have these, this infrastructure to provide for a better living environment, better working environment for people. Well, I I think that's an interesting thing too, having been 10 steps away involved with economic development and stuff is a lot of, I remember I, that's what it was. I really remember digging in when Amazon was looking for their new corporate headquarters. And the interesting thing was they put out what they're looking for. So it's not just space, it's also, is there uh, uh, infrastructure, railway infrastructure right. housing, all this other stuff. Workforce. And it seemed like the first time for me, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that kind of went, oh, if if Amazon or a large corporations wanted to come to an area. You got to meet all the If you already have the infrastructure, you already have the, their needs, it's easier for them to say yes than 
you know what, why don't you come to town and then eventually we'll have buses and eventually we'll have more restaurants and eventually we'll have these new neighborhoods. How's your 25,000 employees you bring in? Right, exactly. And and we can't be behind the curve when these companies want to move. Exactly. You can't, you can't create a perfect business environment on the fly. So you have to set the strategic stage, if you will, right? Set the stage. So then we are positioned to bring these companies in. Right. So it's sort of like in, Maybe in more layman's terms, it's sort of like if you want to get the Super Bowl bid, you're looking seven, eight, nine years in advance working towards that. So how can you be on the cutting edge knowing that, hey, potentially in eight years, Elon Musk is going to be looking for another place to go, right? Right. Well, we don't necessarily know SpaceX, Tesla, right? Exactly, right. We want to have the right... Um, the workforce, the education, right? The University of Houston's, the Rice Universities, your community college um, consortium, they need to have uh, the educational upbringing for our, for our uh, population, right? So well, let, me, let me start with there. We have the human capital, right? Fourth largest city there and then like right. the greater yeah. Houston. Some people would argue third largest. Like third right? largest, yeah, 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 if you count greater Houston. So we have people. Mm-hmm. That's not our issue, right? So we now have to train them, right? We have land. Yeah, yeah, too. We're, like we're, we have lots of land. Yeah, we're not landlocked. <laughs> you know? We have lots of land. We have lots of people. So let's train them. All right. And then next, we have to do infrastructure, roads, railways, um, bike paths, too. Yeah. Bike paths, parks, like all of that. Kind of, it, it's encompassed into this. Um, you know, uh, quality of life. Sure. Quality of life plus the co- uh, commerce, the the commercial aspect of it too. So the, the infrastructure is important. Um, I'm going to do a quick side note on infrastructure. We need to have the coastal barrier protection system. Oh yeah. So that's that's an element of it, especially if you are an energy company looking at the greater Houston region, you want to be protected. All you yeah. hear is hurricanes. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a hurricane, it. hurricane, yeah. right? Yeah. And and an element of that is also flood, flood mitigation, flood protection. Yeah. So um planning that out is also an element of this. Oh yeah. Um and then and then you have a company that says, Hey, what incentives do you have? Because Seattle's offering me this the exact same thing that you are. Yeah. Right. And so now we are, you know, but we're Texas. We're Texas. Yes. And they're Washington. That's why I don't have his job. <laughs> we're Texas. That's why. And, and some of that swagger, if you will, does help. But, you know, sometimes yeah. it boils it down to the numbers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. So, right. Right. If, if Seattle's offering a better economic tax incentive, what does Texas have to offer? Right. Well, we have no uh, earthquakes in southern Texas anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me ask you real quick. Do you think, how do you think that what you're doing now benefits the military and how does your military experience benefit what you're doing now? The position I'm in now benefiting the military. So that's, it's, it's, it's really, I'm looking at it like, can we benefit the nation here? Right. And, and some we don't just try to pull the Amazons and the, uh, and the Exxon's sure. oh, right, right? Right, yeah. so, so it's international companies. So if we are in a position Greater Houston in the U.S. in a position to uh, attract international companies and establish ourselves um, in a more competitive market, we are better placed in a national security standpoint, right, right. Uh, on that sense. So that's kind of answering that question. Um, there's elements also to what we can do um, on the healthcare security aspect to it, right? We just had COVID, and that was a, that was a big deal, yeah. right? And so a lot of those vaccines, a lot of those research is right here in the Greater Houston area, the Texas Medical Center, right? Galveston Labs also did it too, yeah. right? Um, so that's that's all Greater Houston. So that that's an element of national security too. So really building that and, and, and emphasizing that we have this capability, um, innovation, energy, 
um, in healthcare. Like that, that is here, right here in the greater Houston area. And so looking at that and, and establishing, um, so I mentioned healthcare back to energy though. Energy independence is a part of that security aspect that we have. Like we have, we have gas prices going up right now. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure what it is at, at the current moment, but too much, maybe 40 cents more than it yeah. was two weeks ago. And yeah, maybe more yeah. And, and, and maybe more. And so having, taking a look at that and, and all that hub for energy independence is going to be right here in the greater Houston area, mm-hmm. right? Whether or not it pipelines or, or offshore drilling or, or sure. uh, fracking in, in the Permian Basin, like we have these opportunities that we've created. We set the environment for us to be successful yeah. in that. And then there's policies and, and politicians that we have to work uh, with and through in order to get those, um, yeah. you know, to be successful in, in the greater Houston area. So there's an element of national security there too. Got you. Okay. Yeah. And so what does something like the greater Houston partnership do on the flip side? Obviously there's the economic development of having a, a division of Apple here, a division of Google. I mean, they're not uprooting and moving their entire, but we, we would love for them to though. <laughs> um, but what does, what can a greater Houston partnership do to help create the next Apple? The next Google. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the we, next TikTok. The next TikTok. <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. The next Tesla. Right. Yeah. Um, we have established a number of opportunities. I keep saying these opportunities because that's that's really what Houston is. You know, the land of opportunity with energy yeah. too. We have something called the um, in, uh, Ion. Uh, yep. It's it's downtown uh, the yeah. Ion right. Um, it used to be in the old Sears building downtown, yeah. and so it provides an opportunity for people to uh, collaborate and, and develop these new startups, right? And that could be the next Uber, TikTok, maybe, yeah, right? Uh, no, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Tesla so, so, or whatever. Yeah, Tesla, yeah. Whatever, whatever our uh, brilliant minds here in Houston can come up with, they can make it right here in Houston. Yeah. So we have a friend who uh, is the CEO, I believe, of Seats, which started oh, yeah. through Rice and through one of the incubators. I think right. it started in the Canon, but uh, just in kind of following his journey and how it's going, I'm I'm so excited to see the tech startup world in the Houston area. It is phenomenal. Right. And so, and the, but the, no one knows about it. Greater and Houston and, is incredibly supportive of it. And yeah. so as we develop the more, the Teslas and the new, these startups become more and more stream, you know, mainstream, if you will, yeah. then people will then realize, Hey, where did you start from? And they said, Houston or, you know, greater yeah. Houston, right? That's, that's where we, where we got our start from. Yeah. So we will, we can be that next phase. Yeah. The Silicon Valley of, of the South. Well, that's what I was just going to say was yeah. it's okay to be known as the energy corridor versus the Silicon Valley of the West or however you want to say it. East. Right. <clears throat> right. It's okay to be known by several different things, right? Certainly. Yeah. yeah. And I think actually in that, in that ion area, they call it the innovation corridor. So both, both energy innovation, healthcare innovation and tech innovation. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So now that you're, you're not in the foreseeable future going to hit active duty again, are you? Well, knock on wood. Vladimir Putin. Here. Yeah. Jeez. So okay. yeah. Uh, Dang, we went political again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess. Right. So where do you see yourself for the next few years? Right. We'll take out. Is your intent to retire military, or are you? I, I will serve as, 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 as long as my country wants me to. Sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but um, getting called, you know, to active duty in, in, in that sense. That would probably take a large, large scale invasion. Yeah. Right. And and also being, you know, we have a lot of active duty troops that are there and you know, God Already, bless me yeah. and keep them safe and, and, and such. But um, we need to make sure um, that we are ready as a nation 
and establishing these right, you know, energy independence, healthcare, uh, security, and, and all that. That's an important part of making sure that we don't have to fight here, right, in, in the U.S. Right, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, the Greater Houston Partnership, how do they, what's their kind of five-year plan for, forget the politics, but sure. just like in growing the Houston, what's the, what's some of, the, some of the strategic initiatives you have? So, um when I look at it, right, as, a, as an advocacy uh, kind of person for, for the Greater Houston Partnership, we're, we have both the federal and state um, agendas, if you will, priorities, if, if you want to look at it. So in the 87th legislative session, and I think you had uh, State Rep. Ed Thompson on here a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, he might have talked about the 87th, but we, we're looking a lot about, um, you know, education and making sure that's you know available for everyone, but both yeah. higher and public, yeah. right? Um, granted, this last session was a lot about COVID too. Sure, yeah. And then there were some people leaving to go to you know another yeah. city, but right. Yeah. Um, so there, there's that aspect. We also look at um, the digital divide. Like, do we have broadband or internet access for rural communities? Sure. Right. Just because the you know city of Houston has internet doesn't mean our other Surrounding right. counties, right. Like, absolutely. We have some rural counties, sure. rural population that need internet. Some parts of Brazoria, right uh, here, very much so. Certainly. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, so we're looking at that. Um, the weatherization from the from the winter uh, winter freeze, and that, that was something we looked at in the yeah. '87. So, again, to go back to your to your question. So, what are we looking at from the future, right? For the, for the next state legislative session, I mentioned economic development and what incentives do we provide? <clears throat> so, something called Chapter Three Thirteen. Uh, uh, codified in the state law provides uh, an opportunity for communities to offer incentives to companies. That is sunsetting in December, this December. So we don't have an opportunity to compete like the Seattle's, like the oh, Virginia's, okay. right? Yeah. And so that's, that's, it's ending here in December. And so we need to find an alternative solution to that. Yeah. And, and then, but in January, is the next legislative That's session. right, right. And so, but it seems that, to have gone. And then in term, though, like we won't be able to offer companies, the, the, you know, an opportunity to come here. The and, incentives. And the incentives, yeah. right. So it's called the Chapter 313 Incentive Tax. That's interesting. And that one of the things, too, that I know that the legislature is going to take up is community college funding. Yep. I have a little bit of a vested interest in that. But the interesting thing to me is that uh, high schools or public schools have gotten a lot of more and more, more right? a lot more resources lately. And then community colleges, the fascinating thing to me is that their jobs, which even I had to learn kind of in, in the process was, you know, they, they talk about skill, reskill and upskill. That's right. And the fact that community colleges, those are three key parts to keeping a community vital. And if you look at the budgeting of a community college, what the state will offer, you know, it just keeps going down and down and down. And it's fascinating to me that you say we want, not you, you know, that a community says we want colleges to, a community college to be vital. But then when it gets to the state, they say, eh, you know, we don't well, really need that. Asking we, don't more. we don't fund it. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. People are asking more and more for free education. Yeah. But if it's not being provided for. Yeah, it's just, and, and I know that's something that's coming Who's going to pay for it, right? right. Yeah. Like, somebody's education pay, somebody's paying yeah. for it. Yeah. Right, right. Free education for you. Yeah. <laughs> but another taxpayer is paying for it, mm -hmm. either federal taxpayer dollars or state, right? In, right. in a sense. And so that's another element, right? And so we talked about chapter 313. Another element is education again. So that's going to be on the, we think it's going to be 
uh, one of the priorities for the governor, lieutenant governor, yeah. um, and the speaker. And so um, on the higher ed, and, and there's also that blend of community college, what does that look like? Like, yeah. what, are, what are they looking for? Um, what do they need? Mm-hmm. And then, again, public education, school choice is a part of it, and, and that discussion. Yeah. What does the business community think of school choice? Like, what, what do they want? And so, again, we'd love to hear from um, our, our members, um, a part of the Great Education Partnership, and the stakeholders in our community. What does the Paraland or Alvin Manville Chamber think? Mm-hmm. Um, what do their members think? So yeah. part of that, and that will kind of uh, narrow our focus on, like, how um, we kind of uh, engage sure. uh, the legislators on that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I th- yeah, because I think for every Houston being the largest city in the greater Houston area, obviously, um, there's probably more chambers in the smaller communities than, you know, in theory, what there's one in Houston. Oh, that's not true, but there's a lot of, a few, yeah. yeah. but then you go around, there's a lot more. It's got to be Certainly. an interesting way to, to kind of put that together and. Right. So again, look, there's a lot of stakeholders. So, um, thankfully, we have a little bit of time on our side, right? It's, it's only March. Yeah. So we have a few months to kind of... You don't want to wait till the last minute? Uh, exactly. <laughs> Waiting till the last minute will, uh, will always hurt us here. So um, engaging everyone early on um, and often will help uh, Greater Houston in general. Yeah. Right? So what can people do specifically to support Greater Houston? I think a lot of it is um, knowledge. Again, so we go back to that marketing element, right? Um, what do people, when, when you say Houston, what do you think about, right? right. And, and people immediately jump to energy. That's, that's kind of one element. And the second element, people think, oh, food. Yeah. So that, that's, kind of, that's kind of what we have. And, and um, actually, I think last week we had like top shelf, uh, the top chef here. Yeah, um, I remember yeah, reading yeah, about that. Yeah, so, um, so th- those are good things, all right? But um, we need to market that, right? And, and the other things that we have, um, it, it, sometimes it feels like it is a hodgepodge of different things in Houston, which is okay in a sense, but um, we need to find a way to like, come, you know, come together and, and make that one voice, one um, sense of it. And so I think the Greater Houston Partnership has done a fantastic job of, of doing that and, and marketing that here in the last few years. Gotcha, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. If people want to learn more about the Greater Houston Partnership, how can they find out more? Yeah, so um, our website's uh, www.houston.org. Um, pretty simple. Yeah, yeah, great, great domain. Great yeah, domain. yeah. yeah. Um, and, and then uh, we are uh, we have a number of events coming up, too. So you can find uh, all those events listed oh, nice. um, on our website. So please, you know, feel free to reach out to the, to the partnership. Uh, we'd be happy to help. If, you know, if, if you're a company listening, we'd be happy to bring you in sure. um, and discuss. But um, for other stakeholders and, and legislators or, or chambers listening, or economic development corporations listening, we do need your help in, in making sure we're, we're engaging our legislators and congressmen and lawmakers uh, effectively here to set this environment for a very successful Texas. If you're interested in sponsoring Creating Community, we'd love to talk to you. Our goal is to reach our community and let them know about great leaders and businesses that are helping to make it better. If you want to be a part of that, please email us at info at 1820marketing.com to start the conversation. We talk each week about our goal with this podcast, but we want to mention that we also produce podcasts for others. If you have an idea for a podcast and would like to discuss it, we'd be happy to schedule a meeting with you to discuss production options. You can email us at info at 1820marketing.com and let us know you heard us about us on this podcast. Thank you to Zomad Boutique and the Alvin Manville Area Chamber of Commerce for sponsoring the show and to the Pearland Chamber of Commerce 
and the Pearland Commerce Center for letting us come in and record. Creating Community with Dorian and Jake is produced by 1820 Marketing and is available wherever you get your podcast. Show notes and more are available at 1820marketing.com slash podcast as well. Thanks for tuning in and we'll be back next week.